On today's episode of Sports of the World Football Edition, me and Chris recap NFL Wildcard Weekend, give you the update on the NFL coaching carousel, give you our bowl game recaps, and preview the national championship game, as well as a little trivia for you. That's today on Sports of the World Football Edition. And welcome into the first Sports in the World Football Edition of the year 2020. And I'm Ladarius. And I'm Chris. And if you're listening to us through Anchor, Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts, wherever your podcast can be heard, we both truly do appreciate it. How are you, man? And Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever you might celebrate. I apologize for my absence uh, on the last episode. I was probably continuing my uh, binge drinking escapade on vacation. So <laughs> much apologies. It was much needed. I hope everyone had a new year, and a happy one. And, you know, now we're rolling in 2020, getting ready to close out uh, the college ball, getting ready to put our sights in on the playoffs or the NFL. It's uh it's like the most wonderful but miserable time of the year, man, because, you know, football's it, coming to an end. It, it is. And the one thing is, is that on the one hand, like I like how sports work. It's like one big oval, one big circle where like football's ending, but then you, you baseball. Pitchers report. <laughs> and, and it feels like, you know, when baseball's coming around, spring training's coming around too. And, and it kind of just, you know, we get into the meat of basketball. So sports is very good that way. But football, it's something about football that, it, especially these these playoff games, and I'm just going to jump right into it. You know, two overtime games, you know, I think we were blessed. I think, you know, Wild Card Weekend with two, you know, four great games. All of them were great in their own way. But give me your thoughts on Wild Card Weekend. This weekend was literally the best professional football i've watched in years i from the start of the bills and texans game until the end of the seahawks and eagles game i was just in awe about everything um you know to start off with the bills and texans uh hats off to both of them uh both teams played an outright amazing game um the Texans, of course, ended up coming out on top. But don't discredit Josh Allen and the boys. Um, Josh Allen played his heart out. You know, he went 24 for 46 for 264 yards, uh, nine carries for 92 yards. Uh, Devin Singletary held his end of the bargain on the receiving end. Uh, even Frank Gore got out there and got him some, uh, you know, while – in the game uh, on the other side of the ball with the Texans, Deshaun Watson did what Deshaun Watson does. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he went 20 for 25, 247 and a TD and then also 14 carries for 55 yards with a TD. Um, DeAndre Hopkins really woke up the second quarter. I think the, just in general, the, the Texans came out in the second quarter and woke up. Um, you know, they goose egg the first half. The Bills had their number defensively. Uh, at, at the first half, honestly, I was about ready just to turn the game off and, and get into something else. Because I was like, yeah, 13-0 with the Bills at halftime. Like, ah, 
this game's this the, it's gonna be done. And then I was like, you know what? This is Deshaun Watson. This guy just doesn't know how to lose willingly. And uh, it it just it proved it. It it outright proved it uh, with these guys. I mean, the Tex both teams, the Texans and the Bills, regardless if uh, Houston just gets completely shit canned next week. Um, both teams have a bright future ahead of them. I think there's going to definitely be a changing in the guard uh, in the AFC. Patriots are done. We're, I'm going to jump to that in a second. I think the Buffalo Bills are going to be the new sheriff in town. As much as I hate saying that because I would love to see my Jets, we're just not there yet. I think once we get rid of Adam Gase and find ourselves a new coach, um, I wish we were on the coaching carousel, but, well, well, here we are. Um, but the Buffalo Bills can go literally nowhere but up. Um, they're going to have a path. I, I think that Brady and and the Pats are done. That's going to open a lot of doors for them so they can actually go in as a seed and not a wild card. And then with Houston, I, I think they're just the toughest team in their conference, you know, uh, without, you know, I mean, just, just kind of putting it blatantly. Um, it was just – all around, just probably one of the best games I've watched, I think, all season. It, it, it was an absolute – I think with Deshaun Watson. And, you know, I saw the game, you know, I saw the game through and through because I don't – there are certain quarterbacks I don't count out. And, in fact, two of them played wild card weekend. Yeah. And, and, and Deshaun Watson is one of those – He's one of those guys where, like, you know, it's easy to talk about, listen, with Buffalo, with Josh Allen, I think. He just think, has to grow up a little bit. I, I think that's I think that's what it was. He made a couple poor choices that, that could have cost, that I think cost them the game. Absolutely. Deshaun Watson has that esque of playing when it really, really counts. He beat the unbeatable Alabama in a national championship. Um, and, and I think those, those super high caliber games in, uh, in, in college prep you for these games going into the NFL. Uh And I, I, Josh Allen is a great quarterback. I just, I, I can't remember what, what school did he go to? Uh, he went to Wyoming. Okay. So, let's face it. Wyoming definitely never played for a, a BCS title or a national title. Um, compared to Deshaun Watson, held one in his hand, you know. Uh, I, I think it's just that level of experience is where Deshaun Watson was able to excel, unlike Josh Allen. But I think this is a definitely a huge learning experience. He's going to be able to sit down afterwards, look at the tape, realize his mistakes, come out next year. I expect Buffalo to be very, very aggressive in the free agency. And and them to do some magical things uh, next season. The, the the Bills Mafia, I have a feeling, might be back. Yeah, you know, I, I I think that way. And I saw a lot of promise in this Buffalo team. And I think I I to me, I always look at a team top down. I think we look at ownership and hiring Sean McDermott as the head coach, who brings structure. He br- he brought the discipline Buffalo needed. Buffalo was lacking discipline. Absolutely. And certain coaches, and when we talk about coaches, in fact, this wild card weekend, and then we'll get to the carousel, that's going to be a common theme is you discipline, structure. Because we talk about it in business, we talk about it in life, but so many people fail to execute it. And so many people don't have it. 
But the thing with Josh Allen, and you brought up the mistakes he made. Listen, they were both in the fourth quarter. He he took to me he took a he took a sack by Whitney Merciless, and it was recovered at the Buffalo forty-seven, and that led to a Houston field goal. And that's about eleven minutes left to go in the game. And for the record, Houston came back from sixteen points down. Yeah, like let's be clear on that. Yeah, no, like I said, I. I, I have nothing bad to say about the Texans. I mean, they definitely fought. It, it's like uh, it's like in in the UFC. You know, we talk about fighting. You know, fighting off of your back. You're in the guard. Someone's on top of you, just pounding your face in. Your ability to keep them in that guard and contain them, either roll them, trap them, or just lean back and start swinging back at them. That's what the Texans did. Saturday, they they fought from their guard, got up, stood up, banged with them, and, and caught the knockout. Um, again, and I think it's just based off of experience. And and no, again, nothing against the Bills and nothing against Josh Allen. Um, he learned from it. it's 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 a mistake. Watson has played in these high tension games. He's he's played when it when it mattered. Uh, the Bill, this is Josh Allen's real first time being in a situation like this. I mean, yeah, he probably had some great games in Wyoming and some great games in, in the season, but there's a very fine difference between playing in week seven and knowing that you're going to be on the road playing in week eight and then being in the wild card spot and not knowing your fate. And I think that's where it got a little misconstrued. And again, it's a learning experience the Bills will come back strong next year. The Texans going into next week, I think, have a great situation in their hand. And uh, we just have to sit back and see. And, you know, uh, and, and, and you're right. And one of the things is, going back to Josh Allen, he made that fumble and when he got sacked. But, you know, I think a bigger mistake was, like, watching the Monday Night Football crew call this game, you had to really Booger McFarlane. You know, oh. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to get in on that. Because I need to say this, what the hell is a YOLO throw? I, I had, to, I'm like, and you saw me. I, if you saw my Facebook, and I'm gonna start putting, I'm gonna put that on the uh, the page, and I should have. Someone tell me, cause like, listen, Chris, we're not, we're not old, but we're not young either, and we know what YOLO is. So why is Booger McFarland, who could I could argue, could possibly be my dad, talking about YOLO throw? Like you don't make YOLO throws. He's just trying to be hip and trendy. That guy, literally, I would rather drag my hand across a chalkboard than listen to him. It's almost at a point I would almost rather hear Bernie Sanders talk than him. I'm not quite there. I'm not quite there. (laughs) But God damn it, he's getting close. You know, I I would rather. You know what, folks? I always say you don't know what you got until it's gone. You remember how people said Dennis Miller was bad in Monday Night Football, booth? People Dude, said he was... Bring I him mean, back. I mean, if, if you could put it in the booth, because... But, you know, I don't want to take away from the game. But there were, you know, Josh Allen had a... He, he did, well, I'll just say a wrist throw. I say hero ball. I said it on last week's podcast where I talk about hero ball. Essentially, Josh Allen was playing a lot of hero ball in, in, when he didn't have to. But he also made another mistake in that fourth quarter that cost him 14. It's a 14-yard penalty for intentional grounding, and they yeah. lost a down. And and then and this is where I question Sean McDermott. Now, he could have kicked a long field goal, and I understand why you didn't. But you could have punted, 
your defense, for the record, Chris, the defense had six sacks. Oh, yeah. Excuse, the de- I mean, no, excuse me, they had, they had seven sacks the whole game. On his ass. Yeah, so, you know, you know, Buffalo had seven sacks. Sean McDermott, defensive guy, trust your defense. You pin, you pin Deshaun Watson back, and you pin him back. You know, on their side of the field, you know, you, you have a greater shot. Game, what's one more stop? Exactly. But, you know, and then you go for it. And you give him the ball back with a minute forty-one left in the yeah. football game, and and to me, Deshaun Watson, once again, certain quarterbacks you just don't give enough time to. That's Deshaun Watson. Watson thrives on those high-pressure, low-time situations. That is just something that I've noticed. He 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 is incredibly good at. There are certain quarterbacks that can thrive in certain situations. If if you're playing shallow man coverage. Drew Brees is going to long ball you like nobody's business. If you're playing zone, Tom Brady will just throw those little out, you know, little five out passes and just keep racking up first downs and march it down the field. Deshaun Watson, if you just if you give the man an inch, he's going to take a mile. Yeah, and yeah. and and certain co- and you're absolutely right, and and it goes back to experience playing in high pressure game, you know, and I think that's important, but you know. The one thing before we transition to talk about the other AFC game is is that we learned a lot more about this. In my opinion, Chris, we saw the future. We saw a bit of the future of the AFC in this game. Oh, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. I I wholeheartedly think that we might have witnessed an AFC championship game in the future. <laughs> exactly. You know, give this about two years. I think, you know, the thing with Buffalo, give them the experience. You give them, you know, you give them the pieces because, like you say, I think they're missing something, and and you know, it's not receiver. It's may, it may be missing a, maybe a tight end, maybe if, a hot. They're they're missing a piece that's giving if, them. If they could get if they can get a little bit more solidified tight end, and if they could get, uh, you know, maybe an extra, you know, someone to complement Singletary. You know, wide receivers are like wolves. They work better in, in packs or like Sith. They work better in twos. Yeah. You know, and uh, if you look at any great quarterback and, and very dominant receiver, there's always a second threat with them. You have, look at, the, you know, uh, my little bromance with uh, Kirk Cousins and Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen. Uh-huh. Uh, look at your boy Matty Ice with... Uh, Julio and uh, uh, and Calvin Ridley. Yeah, and Calvin. Sorry, I wanted to say Roddy White, but I'm like ten years too late. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, if if you look at those, you know, uh, even even as much as I hate the Patriots with Gronk, yeah, I don't even want to count him as a receiver. But you know, or even Amendola and Edelman, since they both are at least in the wide receiver, uh, you know, positioning according to the Players Association. <laughs> um, you know, you have these these dominant duos, and I, I think if they can get because what happens is if they they know it's a pass, they know more than likely it's going to Singletary. So you know, a safety can shift, a a, a corner can move, whatever, and that could possibly level out the play. But if you get them in a situation where you've got two solid uh, players, back, you know, running routes, you, you got to kind of choose and gamble. It was actually even working with the Jets for a little bit when when uh, Demarius Thomas was actually healthy for a couple games. It took the pressure off of Robbie Anderson. So 
in essence, it was actually helping Anderson now be able to complete more passes instead of just being in double coverage the whole time. And and the and the thing is, and, and that bring that brings a very good point. It's where going back to Buffalo, you know, I, I, Buffalo gets that tight end, and like and you made a very good point about compliments. You know, if you think about mu, I tell people you hear me talk about music a lot because I love all of music. When you think about a good music, even groups, I always say is that, you know, especially in boy bands, girl, whatever you listen to, because I was a huge Destiny's Child fan. Full discretion. Say my name, say my name. When no one is... A, see, you see what he did, folks? He suckered <laughs> me in. You see what he did? You see what he did, folks? You know, you got to pay for the vocals. But the point is, is that when you look at Destiny's Child, and, and I may get a lot of flack for this, Remember, I did an episode like last year. I talked about where you know Beyonce may not be the best thing, but if you look at if you look at Destiny's Child, everybody in that group could have been a lead singer. In fact, all of them became lead singers. They all they all became solo artists because what made the group great it was built for Beyonce, but everybody else could sing. My point is is that with a football team, if you have a great quarterback or a good quarterback, and you have great compliments like you mentioned, like a Gronk for Brady. Even if you look out throughout the history of the NFL, Montana had Rice. He had John Taylor. Yeah. He had. You, you gotta look at. Yeah. You gotta have that that just that complete package. You gotta have that surrounding cat. You know, probably like one of my favorite rock bands. I would say like old school rock bands is probably Aerosmith. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows Steven Tyler. Yeah. Everybody knows that. But do they know, you know, Joey Kramer on the drums? Do they know Joe Perry on the guitar? Yeah, yeah. Steven Tyler's got some some pipes on him. But if if Perry's not playing the riffs on the guitar and and Kramer's not holding the, the tempo on the drums, is Aerosmith as good as they are? Exactly. You know, uh, so, I mean... Yeah, it's, it, it, you know, it's small things like that. But, yeah, if we could... If Buffalo could find that... that uh, complimentary. If they could find their their drummer or their their bass player, God help the AFC. <laughs> it, it, you're absolutely right. And, and speaking of God bless the AFC, let's talk about Tennessee for a minute. Listen, and, and listen. I know you. I know you have things to say. Listening to that and watching Tom Brady pout has to be one of the greatest things in my life I've ever witnessed. The look of dissatisfaction and disgust that the final play of his career in New England, potentially the league, was at pick six. (laughs) That warms my heart. It's probably how, like, our parents felt in the 80s when they're watching, like, the original Star Wars trilogy in theaters and Vader picks up Palpatine and throws him down the shaft. Because at that point, you thought the son of a bitch was dead, and then Walt Disney started fucking with us. Uh, you have this this gaggle of nobodies, the Titans. I mean, <laughs> it's, the, it's the Titans. You know, you have Ryan Tannehill, who was this pathetic being... In Miami, that I don't even think they were a 500 club 
but at all. And if I'm wrong, please tell me when he was in Miami and then he goes to the Titans and they're in the playoffs, you know, and it's not even so much that it's they, they ran the ball. I mean, Tannehill was eight for 15 with 72 yards and a touchdown. Derrick Henry put that team on his back. And I think you, you were the one that posted, uh, the 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 gameplay from like Madden 05 is is like the 28 ISO run. Yeah. And it's like here here like here's uh New England stole Tennessee's playbook and it's literally just a power run through the A gap. And I mean that's literally all he did all game. They ran that ball down their throat. What caught New England, what I think what did him in, hubris. Yeah. Hubris brought him down is that they are the almighty Patriots and that they couldn't be touched and and everything was going to be okay. And Tom Brady was going to get all of his bullshit calls that he always gets. And and the refs were essentially going to hand him the game. And it's like it's like the refs said no. You, you ever see Training Day? Yeah. All right, do you remember at the end when Ethan Hawke's character rolls up into the hood and he goes and he gets after Denzel and him and Denzel get into that big, big brawl. And they're running through the projects and then he jumps on the car and then he shoots him in the ass. And then remember, Denzel was like, hey, I'll give like 10 stacks to someone to snuff this motherfucker for me. And uh, the uh, one of the sub characters, like the dude that was guarding the door, said, you got to put in your own work here, homie, and drops the 38 on the ground. Like, that's what it reminded me of. with Because the refs, for once, weren't just handing the game to the Patriots. And if you want to say that they don't do that, then you're neither blind or you don't understand the NFL rules. But it's like the refs were just like, hey, Tom, <laughs> you got to put your own, own work in these parts, homie. And and he just started pouting. You could see it when he was on the sideline. You could see it when he was playing. And then you could just see it in his face when he was walking off the field after that pick six. And damn it, it warmed my heart. There was so much salt in the air that I thought the ocean evaporated into the into the sky. And it was just going to rain salt forever and ever. Amen. Patriots fans have to be the saltiest beings this side of the Congo. And to see all their dissatisfaction and all their hatred and all their butthurt, it's warming. It's so warming. And for that... I thank you. <laughs> and, and you know what? Going back to Tannehill, Tannehill's record at Miami, he was 42 and 46. All right. So, yeah, he wasn't even 500 then. Yeah. He only had – he had two years of 8-8. Eight eight. Everything else, he, had, he won your 8-5, and five, but he got hurt. But you, you essentially lost to a sub-500 court. If you throw in the record, <laughs> you know, at Tennessee, that puts him – that puts him at 500. So, the, 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 the thing, Chris, is that it, it was essentially, it felt like it was the Derrick Henry show. It, it, it really was. And this is where it goes to Mike Vrabel. This is what you want to talk about, you know, cold as ice. Mike Vrabel pulled a Belichick because Belichick abuses the play. He, he abuses the rules. You know, calling, you know, you know, I think the one particular example of that is is taking a penalty and letting the clock drain out. <laughs> Belichick is out, and, and if you saw that, and I, and if people saw that, because I saw it, and I said, "Oh man, that's that's cold as ice." 
because if you think about it, Chris, if you, his former assistant screwed him. Who, for the record, Chris, the Dolphins beat the uh, the Patriots Week 17, correct? Yes. And you know who the head coach of that team is? Brian Flores, who worked on Belichick's staff. This is true. And who did he lose to in the wild card week? Mike Rabel, former assistant. <laughs> here's here here's the thing, folks. You know, and, and let's be clear. Derrick Henry accounted for 75% of Tennessee's offense. 75%. 204 total yards. And listen, he had the listen, the most rushing yards against a Bill Belichick coach team in the playoffs. Period. <laughs> and in fact, he and in fact he had and he's in the top five all time on the road, and he did this. Folks, he gained every yard on the Titans' second 75-yard touchdown drive. I mean, if you're Belichick, this guy's supposed to be the master of isolating the best player. Who else were you going to stop on that team? Tannehill? If, if you take away Derrick Henry, Chris, this game's a blowout. Yeah. If you take him out, you got to force Tannehill to do – you know, you have to against a New England defense that has played relatively well, but they've been terrible at the back end of this season. And here's the thing: those 72 yards, Chris, that's the fewest for a starter since Joe Flacco had 34 yards in a wild card game. Ironically enough, against the Patriots 10 years ago. Jesus. And by the way, they won that game too. <laughs> you know, listen. Oh, here's a great fact for you, Chris, because you, I know, I love facts and I love numbers. Ryan Tannehill has five victories over Brady. Five, <laughs> and that, and that second, and that second only to Peyton Manning six, for the most by an opposing quarterback since 2001. That's including the playoffs. That warms my heart. I I can't describe the amount of of happiness that it has brought me. I like I I was actually I was out. Uh, I was at a bar with a buddy of mine, uh, and it was clear that the majority of the fan base there was New England, except for me and my homeboy. And we're sitting there watching it, and the Patriots fans are like, oh, Tom Brady's going to do it. Oh, Tom Brady this, Tom Brady that. That's a great oh. accent, by the way. <laughs> Pack the can, put it in the ad. And yeah, I get the khakis. I, I hear a lot of Mark Wahlberg in there. Oh God, I, don't, I know. I just I hate the fact he's from there. But <laughs> I, so I'm sitting there, and you know me, I'm kind of an asshole. Well, maybe not kind of. I all right, I'm just an asshole. Yeah, we'll just uh, it yeah. So he throws that pick six, and I literally like start clapping and cheering, and then like the whole bar is silent, and I just stop. And I look around. I make eye contact with like 10 different dudes. I'm honestly lucky I didn't get shot or fucking jumped in there. And they're all just staring at me. And I was just like, what a bitch he is. And then they're all like, oh, you know, five Super Bowls, six, you know, and all this other bullshit. And I was like, that's cool. But what about this year? Because that's the thing. So normally, and this is the, that's the reaction I get, uh, you know, being a Yankees fan, especially the Red Sox, 
is their excuses, you know, because they'll say something snarky and I'll be like, yeah, whatever, dude. Like, we've got 27 World Series. You don't even have, you have seven. So shut the fuck up. And they're like, oh, what about this year? And then you hit them with that same slogan. Oh, man, dude. Like, the, the the lobsters must have jumped out of the ocean and hung themselves in in the greater Cape Cod area, and it, I I loved it. It just it was it was it was lovely. And, and you know what? And I I think that and I think Tony Romo said it, and I think he made a prediction that I kind of said my feel. I feel that you know I think Romo said that Brady, Belichick, and McDaniel's won't be there. I will be bold to say that two of those three dudes won't be there. I I think that, that Bilicek is going to be out, and I think that Brady's gone. A lot of people think that he's not uh, uh, he's not done yet, and that he'll go. So people were talking about, I think the Chargers were a team, or not the Chargers, uh, the Raiders were a team. Uh, someone mentioned the Dolphins, the Colts. I I don't know. I don't see Brady going. So, number one, most of those teams have bad quarterbacks. We can agree on that, right? Absolutely. Usually, usually bad quarterbacks coincide with bad offensive lines. Agree. For Brady to go, he might be the super competitive person that we think he is. But I think at the end of the day, he's going to understand. He's going to go to a shitty team. You, you, you put Brady on the Raiders. They're not going to do it. They might win a game or two more. They're not going to win a division. They're not going to get into the playoffs. If they, I mean, it, like, I guess if they win the division, they'll get into the playoffs, but they'll be a first round elimination. Brady will never win another Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I agree. On he's that. done. I don't even, honestly, I think he's just going to retire and, and just call it a day. I mean, if you look at the Colts, uh, Andrew Luck was a great quarterback. They didn't have a line to protect him. Jacoby Brissett is a good quarterback. They don't have a line to protect him. And Jacoby Brissett is mobile. Yeah. Tom Brady is as about as mobile as a fucking giraffe on stilts on a frozen lake. He Mobility and him are not in the same category. Saying that he's mobile is saying that I could dunk on a 10-foot rim. I can't. Let's just face it, okay? Uh, I, so for him to go to Indy or Oakland, negative Ghost Rider. I don't think he'll go to Miami um, just because it, it's Miami. I, I see he's done. You know, if if he does come back, I I will I will eat I will eat crow and I will say I'm sorry, but I don't see him. He's a free agent. He's old. He's gonna want a lot of money. Number one. So that's going to cancel him out of a lot of organizations. Two, he's old, so he's a risk. He takes one good hit. That son of a bitch is done. Uh-huh. He was protected in New England by the rules, by the coaches, by them stealing playbooks, and actually having a good offensive line. He doesn't have any of those now. So I, he's done. Let's just bury him in the ground. We could call him the greatest of, of all time with an exclamation point because he got caught cheating not once, not twice, but three times within the organization. So it is what it is. I'm just happy to see him not in the playoffs. I danced around that bar like a little Ewok after the return, uh, the ending of uh, Return of Jedi. And it was just a beautiful thing to watch. And just, again, the saltiness, it, it warms my heart. 
And <laughs> I'm just imagining you dancing. Um, sorry about that, folks. I got distracted. I was thinking of Chris dancing, and I can visualize it. I'm a visual learner. Yeah, but, fucking Ewoks, man. Exactly. Yeah, now I got the Ewoks and you. Now, now it's all coming together. And you know, I when it comes to Brady, I I think of this, and this is a theory. I'll run this theory real quick because I want to move on. I think Brady does one of two things. I think he retires, or I think this is why I say the Chargers make sense. Tom Brady's career is like LeBron James's career. In this regard, you reach certain phases in your career. I think when with LeBron, LeBron, just like Brady, had to prove that they were great. And then next phase, to, 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 push, to push to be the greatest of all time in their respective sport. And then they reach the point of the career, like mogul status. It's like you're just there because you want to play. And, and I think Tom Brady's at a point where he understands he's not going to win a championship. He's nowhere near a Super Bowl. You and I are closer to winning a Super Bowl than Tom Brady is next year. Mm-hmm. And I think it makes sense for the Chargers because let, let's just face the facts. The Chargers are the redheaded stepchild in that city. But let's just, let, let, and to me, that's the facts. If you, if you see a Rams game and, a, you know, with the, with the new facilities, it might change things. But the reality is that, Chris, it never felt right for the Chargers to leave San Diego. It never felt right to me. And and I think they did it out of necessity. You know, they did it out of necessity because they felt like they needed to do it. But but that's a whole different conversation. I think that it's for tickets because here's the thing, Chris. His his hero growing up, Joe Montana. Listen, you know what San Francisco did? They traded him. Yeah. They traded him because they had a guy named uh, I believe Steve Young. Mm-hmm. I think he turned. I, I I think he turned out all right. Yeah, but, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Super Bowl something so i think he turned out all right so my point is is that joe namath didn't finish his career as a jet when we think of the greats of all times not a lot of them finished their career where they started look at brett Favre. green bay came loose he went to the jets and then he went to their divisional rival (laughs) the fucking vikings and then exactly and so because it it comes out of the point where brett Favre knew he was nowhere near a super bowl he wanted to play. He wanted something to prove. Michael Jordan, the Bulls said we're good. He went to Washington. Why? Because he wasn't going to win a championship with Washington. Because first of all, still the same Wizards, folks. So <laughs> you didn't miss much. But the point is, is that Tom Brady's at a point where he wants to prove. Even though he can hang it up just like Jordan, when Jordan left the court after being the Jazz, if you didn't think he was the GOAT, then just like the point that you made about the Patriots and, and what you mentioned about the refs and all that, it's the same concept that you're not watching basketball. And I think Brady's at that point in his career where if New England doesn't want him, I look at the charge and go, well, hey, he's from L.A. Listen, Giselle ain't trying to go to no Chicago. Okay, Giselle ain't trying to play in Indianapolis. Let's face <laughs> the facts, Chris. This is all about his wife. Okay, let's face the reality. You go to L.A., market yourself. You, you think LeBron and his wife? You think Le- when LeBron, when his wife said, oh, we're going to go to, I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> listen, they're from Cleveland, but they're like, listen, there's only so many cold winters you can take. So, but I'll leave it there. But I think that he goes to, he goes to the Chargers, gets them some revenue because I think they need it. They need to be marketable. Even if, 
And to me, they're the best, they're the best out of the worst option. So, but speaking of things, you know, the best option, I want to talk about Russell Wilson and how great he is. How he's how he's 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 gonna probably go down as one of the best playoff quarterbacks I ever seen. And I don't know if you saw the game. I I I started watching it. Uh, I just got up in the air. Actually, no. So I take that back. So I wa- I was able to catch the last like five ten minutes of the Vikings and States game on the plane, and then and then it swapped over to the Seahawks and Eagles game. So I'm on a plane heading back to Philadelphia, full of Philadelphia Eagle fans. Oh boy! And they're fucking losing. It's a sheer mirror. Like, I fully expected to land and see, like, half of the city on fire. Looking like like uh, Gotham City from, like, the, the Dark Knight Rises when Bane yeah. took over and blew the bridge. Yeah, like, I remember that. I'm expecting to walk, to, to land and see this shit. And people on the plane are just going fucking insane. And then we land in the airport. And uh, I get off the plane. I'm walking down the baggage claim. And there's one guy in the airport with a Seahawks jersey. And I'll tell you what, man. Like, I like a lot of Eagles fans, but there's a lot of them I don't like. These people are, like, walking by this guy like, fuck you, you fucking asshole. Nah, nah. Like, like this guy actually plays for the Seahawks or something. <laughs> and, uh, dude, like, he was just a complete shit show. But man, like that whole game, Russell Wilson, dude. Like, I, I, I'll let you. I can't talk high enough about. I'll let you brag on him for a few, man. Because, it, it, as you know, I love Russell the same way that you love. I think Minnesota. I love Seattle. I love Russell Wilson. Oh, listen, eighteen to thirty, three hundred and twenty-five, and a touchdown. And here's the thing: in wildcard games, he's four and one. The dude completes 63% of his passes. He's, you know, six touchdowns, interception in five wildcard games. When you look at Russell Wilson, think of the talent that he didn't, that he had around him. I think I've said this ad nauseum on a lot of episodes. I think he was very underappreciated the first half of his career because we're too focused on Richard Sherman and Michael Bennett. We're too focused on the Legion of Boom. And we ignored how great he was, given that he basically. His best receiver was Doug Baldwin. And no disrespect to Doug Baldwin. But, and all of a sudden, you give him a receiver like DK Metcalf, seven receptions, 160 yards of the touchdown. That's the most receiving yards by a rookie in the playoff game since 2010. When you give Russ the pieces, listen, and mind you, Chris, they're down to their fourth running back. Okay, they lost two running backs week 16. Okay, no Robert Turpin, no no Carson. They had to go get Mr. Skittles himself, Marshawn Lynch, you know, and give him a couple of mil to come back because they were that bad. And all of a sudden, say what you want to say about Pete Carroll. I'll and I'll say this, and I'll just Pete Carroll's a Hall of Fame coach simply because if you take his body of work. And I'm going to compare him to another coach we're going to talk about in a few minutes. He's a Hall of Famer. Given what him and Russell Wilson has done, folks, it's like peanut butter and jelly, except maybe, you know, as old as Pete Carroll, maybe it's kind of like the crunchy peanut butter. But but the point is, is that it works. 
And I think Russell's getting the appreciation. He deserved to be the highest paid quarter. I, I, I argue and make that point that he was underappreciated for the first half of his career. And that defense, Chris, seven sacks from six different players. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> I, I, I mean, peak, this is what I say. When you get, this is why I say New England's excuse of, oh, New England won because they had a week to prepare. See, Seattle's used to playing wild card. And, maybe, and, and like I say, for the record, and I'll just say this, they should have won the division because apparently the refs forgot how forgot what pass interference was. Yeah. I'm just gonna, I mean, I guess they left their whistles down at the fish market somewhere in Seattle. I, you know, or they were in San Francisco, they left it down, you know, you know, Rice Aroni or somewhere, or where you know where they filmed Full House at. I think they left it there because. But anyway, but the point is, Russell Wilson, this organization with him and Carroll, it works. This defense has gotten better, and Quentin Jefferson had two sacks. And but but I want to talk about the Eagles. And Chris, you make a very good point about Eagles fans because I ripped Eagles fans. I you know, for the record, it's a new year. I I have to apologize to Eagles fans for not being hard enough. Because here's the thing. You know, Carson Wentz, listen, I felt bad. He only lasted two series. He got hurt, he got knocked out. He got hit from clowning. And people say it was a dirty hit. Even the ref said that, you know, it really wasn't. That's why they didn't call it. But there was no Nick Foles there to protect him. Get to settle for Josh McCown. A 40-year-old Josh McCown who he this he's the he's the oldest quarterback to make his playoff debut. You have to settle for that. But here but here's the thing, Chris. There's no excuses. Where you're at home. And you can get three field goals. I'm not saying that my whole thing is is that we can make excuses, but this team has won without Carson Wentz in the past. And this is why I say, listen, you may not want to pay Nick Foles, but Chris, I guarantee you, we got to question Carson Wentz and his health, I think, at this point. The dude's you know, made of glass. You look at him the wrong way, he falls apart. Uh, it, it's been proven time and time again, man. Like, I don't – I. Them, them getting rid of Nick Foles, everyone's like, oh, yeah, you know, Nick Foles. Well, dude, Nick Foles, if it wasn't for Nick Foles, you, you guys wouldn't have a Super Bowl ring to wear and a trophy to put on show and a banner to hang from your stadium. You know, everyone forgets that, you know. They they look at, the, at Carson. He's another one. He came from South Dakota State that who the hell do they play? You know, I mean, they're not even an uh, they're an FBS team, aren't they? They're not even a BCS team. Yeah, they're, F- yeah, they're when, FBS. Yeah, yeah when you know, uh, so I mean, dude, he chokes in games. He makes poor decisions, and he's not he's not a healthy. I mean, he's hurt all the time. I I, I see the Eagles possibly getting a veteran quarterback in there, or going and trying to trade for somebody. Carson Wentz isn't the answer. Um, you know, Josh McCallan tried. I, I, I give so much respect for that guy. I, I respect him when he played for the Jets. He's a guy that goes out there. He'll give you a full 60 minutes on Sunday, and he'll give you a full eight hours Monday through Saturday. Um, not that NFL players work that type of schedule, but you, but you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, he went out there and left everything on the field. Watching him cry in, in the postgame interview, I'm not even going to lie. It was kind of sad. Yeah. 
You know, because the guy is, I mean, that's literally his only playoff appearance in, I think, what, 18 seasons? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he was never a great quarterback to get his own starting job, except, you know, when he was on the Jets. But I think that was just for, well, lack of personnel. Um, you know, he's a good leader and he's a good game manager. He's just, he just doesn't have like the, the whole package, I guess. And, you know, and, and that's a fair assessment. And, and I'll go a step further and say is that it, 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 it reminds me a lot of Alex Smith. Is that yes. as much as Alex Smith is very well respected, but when you look at Alex Smith, we don't think that he's played in playoff games, and you know, and you know, I, I hope he gets better and plays on, you know, plays back in the, in the league very soon. But even before his injury, he wasn't a guy you looked at and went, you know, that guy can lead you to a Super Bowl. You playoffs, yes, but Super Bowl, no. And I think Chris, you make a very good point. We have to make that distinction because, and, and I'm gonna get to a quarterback who we need to, to to pump the brakes on in a minute. But we have to make that distinction about guys who can get us to the playoff and guys who can't. And just like in uh, you know baseball, I think we both love baseball a great deal. Yeah, there are certain players who are just regular season players, and there are some hey, who are, and there are some who are just postseason players. Yeah, and and you can tell, and you can tell by the body of work. And, and I think the same thing applies to quarterbacks, and it applies to certain teams as well. And, and speaking of certain teams who, you know, play off, you know, uh, the Minnesota Vikings, they went into the Dome, and they went who-who. They didn't say who that. They went who-who. Like, who are the same? And – and I don't know if you checked out this game. It was a very entertaining football game. I got I got to watch that one too. Uh, I I'm not going to admit to driving and watching it because, of course, that would be illegal. Absolutely. But, you know, um, yeah. And then I got to watch it once I got through uh, the TSA security. So first and foremost, I'm just going to apologize to Kirk Cousins, man. <laughs> I think we I think we both need to apologize to Kirk Cousins. <laughs> like. <laughs> We rode this dude so fucking hard. I mean, we rode this dude harder than Secretariat. We did. Yeah. And, did. and here he is in the playoffs, man. You know, uh, I, 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 I don't, I, I'm not like a closet Vikings fan, but if you notice, I pull for him all season. Mm-hmm. Like the, like the jets are definitely my, my, my cross to carry and my burden to maintain. But the Vikings, like, I'm gonna say like they're my number two team. Like I, 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 I like Adam Thielen. I like Stephon Diggs. I like uh, Dalvin Cook now that he's not a Seminole. Um, and Kirk Cousins, man. Like I, I have always talked good but bad about Kirk Cousins. A, the guy's won me money in fantasy. B, the guy has won me leagues in fantasy. And. Here we are. I mean, he he pulled me out of some bad situations this year in fantasy. And uh, now the dude's in the playoffs. And it's not even so much the Vikings offense. How about the defense, man? That That's who really we need to – besides actually Cousins winning when it matters, like giving the, the, the defense a round of applause. I mean, the Saints played good, but the Vikings came there with the intention of winning. Yeah. They were they were that guy that they had all to gain 
and nothing till you go out there. If you lose, then you're you're everything everybody said. If you go out there and win, whoa, hold hold on now, you know. And, and that's and you could tell like in the post game interview, if Cousins wasn't such a religious dude and such like a low key guy, I really truly think that he would have been like, hey. ESPN, CBS Sports, Shannon Sharp, Colin Coward, everyone, fuck you. But he's like really low key and chill. So, of course, he didn't do that. But I mean, looking at the game, I mean, you know, he went uh, 19 for 31, 242 yards and a touchdown. Dalvin Cook ran two touchdowns on 28 carries and 94 yards. Thielen had 129 reception yards. I mean, Diggs was essentially shut out. Uh, you know, he had two receptions for 19 yards. Uh, Dalvin Cook caught a couple out of the backfield. But the most important one, the single most important catch of the game, was that backside fade to Kyle Rudolph in the end zone. Now, everyone can argue. Now, I was on the bandwagon last year about the Saints being screwed over. So oh, yeah. I really think they got screwed over last year. This game, not so much. There was a lot of bumping and grinding that entire game that the refs let it happen. And that's one thing that I will appreciate. If you're going to call pass interference or defensive holding or offensive holding, or you got to call it consistently. You can't just call it on one guy. And then the next possession that the, the other team has, they pretty much ripped a receiver out of the air by his Jersey. Um, you, you can't do that. So they let him bump and grind the entire time. Now, did he push off? Yeah. Was the was the corner essentially holding him? Absolutely. So I mean, either way, that ball is going to be a, a, a do over. But the ref let him play it out the whole game, which I was actually happy about. But all in all, that, again, that was probably an, that, that was another great game to watch. Um, hats off to Cousins. And, and the entire Vikings organization. And uh, I'm curious to see what, you know, now they're going to Green Bay. Or no, they're going to San Fran, correct? San Fran, yeah. Yeah, all right. Well, Vikings, it was fun watching you. Good luck. <laughs> and and, and, the, and the thing is, Chris, and I'll say this before we move on to the carousel. You know, that Minnesota defense, they had three sacks. And, you know, Everson Griffin and Daniel Hunter, they had one and a half sacks each. So they made up for the sacks. But they forced Drew Brees in two critical turnovers, you know, and it came down where the safety picked off the ball and Minnesota drove down the field and scored a touchdown. I think it was Dalvin Cook. So it made it like 13 to 10. And then the second turnover, this happened less than five minutes in the fourth quarter. Daniel Hunter sacked Brees, fumbled it, recovered by the defense, one of the other defensive players, and on the Minnesota 36. And that happened with less than five minutes in the fourth quarter. You know, Chris, I, I, I've said this, and the only thing I'll send my pushback on is that even last year, Chris, listen, I agree the refs pulled a Bret Hart and screwed him, but this is where I disagree, respectfully, is that did they not have a chance to win that game last year? That game went to overtime, did it not? Yes. And who had the ball first in that overtime? It was the Saints. And unless they had, you know, Ed Hockley, that big buff referee, was back there playing quarterback, 
Drew Brees fumbled again, and he made a mistake. And he had, and the Rams went down the field and, and kicked the field goal and went to the Super Bowl. New Saints fans have to understand, even in this game, Chris, I wouldn't have called pass interference because it worked both ways. It's the same thing I say when the NBA when it comes to fouls. If it was if it was a foul in the first quarter, you call it in the fourth. But don't call fouls in critical moments because you feel the need to. If you call it, if you call the game consistently, whether you're an umpire or you're a referee, you call the game the same. Yeah. Way. Don't don't call if, game don't call games in the moment. Yeah, and if, if you're calling a if you're calling a fastball high and outside that's three inches four inches outside the box, and you're calling it a strike, every damn batter that's up there if that that ball lands in the same spot, you better call it a strike the whole time. Exactly, and and that's my point. And that and you're absolutely right. That's how I feel with these refs. Saints fans can sit there and say, "Oh, we got screwed." No, you didn't. Here's the thing, Chris, and this goes to Sean Payton. Since they won the Super Bowl, I believe it was in 2010. I think it was 2009. Chris, they're four and six in the playoffs. <laughs> Since they won the so so, folks, Sean Payton is eight and seven overall in the playoffs. But yet, and, and listen, and I tell people, here's the problem. And this is where I think it's the perfect time to transition to the coaching carousel because you know the coach, you know the coach who got hired, you know, last week, who got hired, who has a better record in the uh, in the playoffs in the in the postseason? That would probably be McCarthy. It's Mike McCarthy. Yeah, buddy. Ten and eight. So when I hear people talk about oh Sean Pay, this is what I say. You know what? He has listen. Mike Tomlin has the same. It's eight and seven in the playoffs, just in the postseason, just as much as Sean Payton. But who do we rip the most? Mike Tomlin. I tell people, folks, you pick and choose. I'm not gonna make. It's not a race thing, so don't. I know. I'm throwing a flag on that right there. My point is, is that we pick and choose. Sean Payton. I give. Show me Sean Payton, and what he's done. You take away that Super Bowl year, Chris. What has he done in the postseason? Huh? It, it, I, I tell people that's my people are like. Oh, well, you hate the Saints because you're a Falcons fan. Sure, you can. You can. We can argue. Some can I? Can, sure. can I phone a friend? Or is this like who wants to be a millionaire? Do I get the um, the fifty fifty and all the other choices, or do I just sit silently and accept the L? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I said, folks, I'll give you all the lifelines in the world, America. Folks, what kind of coach is he? We rip Mike Tomlin like nobody's business. But Mike Tomlin already had the best coaching year of his career. And given that no one expected Baltimore to be the way that they did, we all expected Cleveland, folks. I told you so. But the point is, is that, but yet, you know, once again, they, once again, great regular season. Only one Super Bowl to show, folks. They're they're like the Atlanta Braves of football. All this great playoff success, and they only have one championship. But but you know what? But speaking of success and championships, the coaching carousel. Now, I don't know if you've been following the carousel, I, I, uh, the coaching carousel. I'm I'm gonna let you 
segue this this portion. The only the only thing I I am happy about is goddamn Jason Garrett is finally gone from the Cowboys. And yet to me, I think, and I was talking to somebody about this, and I think Chris, that move was his son Stephen Jones. I think his old, I think his son sat down and said, "Listen, you know, Dad." He's not going to win a Super Bowl. He's had 10 years to figure it out. He's been on this staff 10 years, two playoff wins. And literally everybody in the division, you know, maybe with the exception of Washington, has been successful in the last decade. And I think, and I've read that Cowboy fans, oh, we don't want work for Corfu. So you're telling me you want Lincoln Riley? Listen. We're going to get to that playoff. Did you see what happened to Oklahoma? <laughs> Did somebody, listen, folks, listen. Somebody should have called the cops. Like, folks, like, you know, JR, a big Oklahoma fan, folks. That was, that was a. That's a slobber like, knocker. It was a slobber knocker, all right. It was like a one ligament ass kicking contest. That's how, you know, a little attitude era spice there. Folks, it was bad. And then. I tell people, listen, Mike McCarthy, he has a Super Bowl. Don't you want – oh, and I heard Colin Cowherd say, oh, well, you know, he's great for Cleveland. You know who's great for Cleveland? Drew Carey, but he's holding the prices right. All right? <laughs> listen, folks, I always stood – I stood by this, and I know – I don't know if you listened to last week's episode, but I talked about ideal fits and candidates. Mike McCarthy was right up there with Ron Rivera. And who got hired in that NFC East? Ron Rivera and Mike McCarthy. Yeah. These are the two best candidates out there. You're telling me they both went to Super Bowls. One has won a Super Bowl. But all he was Ron Rivera, oh, he had three winning seasons. Okay, uh, for the record, who had more playoff wins, Ron Rivera or Jason Garrett? Uh, (laughs) Folks, you can, once again, you can phone a friend. I'm not switching the question. So, folks, you can ask the audience. The answer is, is Ron Rivera. So, but my whole thing is, Chris, you hire Mike McCarthy. You know, I read through, I'm not going to bore people with the stats, but here's the fact. When he was with Green Bay, listen, he had to deal with Aaron Rodgers. As great as the talent Aaron Rodgers is, sometimes he has a personality. And I think it just kind of wore each other out. But they won a Super Bowl together, so everybody really won. And I give it now the time when, when they didn't have a defense and they really didn't have a running game. But somehow they won. And maybe that came down to Mike McCarthy's stubbornness and play calling, which I agree with Aaron Rodgers on. But at some point, McCarthy took a year off, studied film, and understand. And that's why he's the head coach back in the league. But you know what, folks? You know what? To me, Ron Rivera to Washington, Chris, that's a home run hire. Oh, Absolutely. I mean, the Panthers Panthers were in disarray before he got there. Oh, yeah, they were. I mean, the last time that they were even somewhat relevant, I think, is when Jake Delhomme was our quarterback. Yep, I think when he went to the Super Bowl under John Fox. Yeah. Fun fact. So I actually met Jake Delhomme. He's actually probably one of the coolest people I've ever met. I met him, as crazy as it sounds, at a meet and greet for a function for a client of mine and they always have like special guests and, and shit like that do like speeches and all that. Mm-hmm. And so this is, I got there and I was, I was sitting at a table with this guy and I'm looking, it was me, it was my boss and a couple other 
you know, people from our company and then just kind of customers. And then it's like this dude and like a really, really hot chick. And I'm like, why does this guy look so fucking familiar? And I'm looking at him and I'm looking at him. And then he starts talking about football and I'm looking at him and we kind of converse back and forth. And then, um, we kind of we were able to get up from our tables because like the first speech was done and we were all just kind of mingling at the bar. And I'm looking at him and I was just like, dude, you, I was like, I know you're, you, you, I was like, this is going to make me sound like a creep and you probably hear this every day, but like, you look really familiar. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I kind of played in a Super Bowl and I might have been in the NFL. And I was like, fuck, you're Jake the home. And he's like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what my ID says. And then we just started kicking it. He was just like one of the coolest dudes, that I, one of the coolest professional athletes I think I've ever met. But please, segueing back, continue. I'm sorry, Red Bull. Oh, no, that's a great story. It's a great story. And 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 going back to Carolina, that was, what they, that was when they were really successful. And John Fox would inspire out of control. And it wasn't Jake Galone's fault. It was just John Fox. And then I'm going to get into that. Ron Rivera takes in, takes over. You know, he deals with scam. I met Cam Newton. I twenty twenty. I promised to be nicer to certain players. <laughs> I promise. Listen, folks. I didn't say I was going to sign off on. It. I just said, you know, I I put my name on it. I didn't put my signature. I'm not. I'm very smart. So, but Ron Rivera takes over this team, and all of a sudden, this team goes to a Super Bowl. And when they let him go, I understand new ownership, and I get all of that. But. Washington, if a team, remember when I used the word or earlier, discipline and structure? Yeah. The Washington Redskins had zero structure the last decade. <laughs> I mean, when, when, when you have coaches like Jay Gruden, Mike Shanahan, for God's sake, they had a guy named Jim Zorn who ran the worst play I've ever seen. And it's just as bad as that Colts game, that year, but the, the worst absolute trick play where, listen, you could even do it on Madden, and, and it was bad. But the point is, you hire a coach. The first defensive coach they've hired since Marty Schottenheimer, who, by the way, also turned around that franchise, and I really like Marty Schottenheimer. He came in day one. They had like a they had like a gamer, like a uh, ping pong, t- some kind of table, gaming table. Rivera said, get that crap out of here. It's about football. Yeah. And I think Dan, you know what Daniel Snyder did? He had the he had the cajones. He fired Bruce Allen, the longtime president of the team, terrible record, fired him, fired personnel, got Rob Rivera essentially in charge of putting a guy to hire a general manager. Listen, as much as we rag on Daniel Snyder, listen, he knew to fire someone who's been at organization a long time to bring in Ron Rivera. Because he knew he can get Ron Rivera to get Ron to get in there and make personnel changes, and he's done that. Because the thing is, when you have a young quarterback, the foundation is there. If Ron Rivera can fix that defense, don't be surprised if Washington makes the playoffs next year. Do not be surprised at all. Because that division's I, I, open. And you're absolutely, it, it is. And, it, and if, we, if anything, if you saw the way the Eagles play, it's very wide open. If you, you and, know, and, 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 I... I think that honestly, I think the NFC they're in the NFC way. Um, I always get the, the NFC East, right? Yeah, it's okay. East, yeah. I, I always confuse that in the South for some godforsaken reason. I think next year Dallas will be the, the king of the NFC East. 
I really do. Here's the reason why. They already built a team. Yeah. They have a defense. We damn well know they have an offense. They uh-huh. have special teams. They were just they had see the thing is is like you can have the most technologically advanced battleship or or air so like us. We have the USS Gerald R. Ford, the most technologically advanced aircraft carrier in the world. We could literally nuke a country from it if we needed to. I mean, like that's some scary shit. Mm-hmm. But you can have the fighter pilots and you can have the the machinist mate and you can have the yeoman and you can have all these pieces that will make the ship work as a cohesive unit. But if you don't have a skipper at the helm that can convey his thoughts to the flight deck to ensure that the pit boss is launching aircrafts effectively and landing effectively. And if he's not talking to the power plant staff to make sure the engines are up and running and make sure the culinary staff is keeping the sailors fed. If, if you don't have that, that skipper, to control the team and steer them in the direction they need to go, then you lose. You're, you're ineffective. And that's where I think the Cowboys, and, and I hate the Dallas Cowboys as much as, as the next guy. But, and you know me, there's always a but. Uh-huh. But they're a good team. They have talent. A lot yeah. of people dog Dak Prescott. He's not a, a, a super genius Aaron Rodgers, but the boy gives it 100% every game. He's got a stud-ass wide receiver in Amari Cooper, and he's got a top-five running back with with uh, with Zeke. You know, and he's got uh, Gallup came out of nowhere. He's got Cobb. I mean, he's got that dual-threat receiver, tri- triple-threat, really, receiver, a great running back who can also catch an all-ass. All he needs is to get rid of that 1974 uh, Ford F-100 of a, uh, of a tight end. And... <laughs> You know, they've got a team. Jason Garrett was the problem, I think, in Dallas. You'll see them next year. I'm going to predict it next year. 500-plus club NFC East winners. You know, know, uh, I'll I'll double down and say that the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington Redskins will both finish the division with at least 10 wins. Because the the thing is, Chris, you make a very good point. That was a great analogy you used with the battleship. Chris, the thing is, what the one thing I ragged about Dak Prescott is, is throwing the ball too much. You you never heard me question his arm strength or anything like that. And you know what, Chris? That's coaching. That's play calling. That's Jason Garrett. You get Mike McCarthy, who's worked with the Super Bowl winning quarterback, who understands talent. For the record, he's worked with Randall Cobb when Randall Cobb was in Green Bay. There's yep. familiarity. And yep. people tend to – all I hear Dallas Cowboys fans say, oh, we want Lincoln Riley. So you want a dude who just got the doors blown off of him, a dude who's making six mil a year, and you're asking him to come and be Jerry Jones' lap boy? No, come on now. You know, in reality, the, the Chris, my mind really changed after I saw that – after I saw that semifinal game, which we'll get to in a minute. And I said, Jerry, I think his son sat him down and said, do you want to win a championship this decade? You know, do you want to win? Hire a guy who knows how to get it done. And he has. And and you and once again, Ron, those are the two home run hires. And speaking of, you know, you know, I don't know what call, you know, the, the Giants hiring the, the, the Patriots special teams coach and receivers coach. And, you know, listen, and, and I made a post. And someone brought the point where, you know, he could be the next 
he could be the next, you know, Belichick. But but Chris, here's the thing, Chris. And and I think you know where to go with this. Maybe I missed the meeting where you know you have more. Listen, qualified candidates. Did anybody learn from hiring from the tree? Listen. The only two successful coaches so far out of that Belichick tree were the two guys that actually beat Belichick. But they were hired it's, by... Uh, it's like with Saban. Saban. Saban's underlings just can't beat him. Exactly. Like, it, 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 and that's the analogy I was going to use. Is that, go look at Nick Saban in that tree. McElwain couldn't beat him. Kirby Smart can't beat him. Folks, but none of these dudes can beat him. The, the, the problem is, Chris, is that you're the New York football giants. I'm not, but here's the thing, Chris, and I talked about it on the football podcast, which, you know, you were missed, but, you know, hey, you were doing your thing. And I, and I thought of you with, the thing is, Chris, is that I, I talked about guys like the Chiefs off at the corner, Eric Benemy. Andy Reid, that coaching tree is looking very good because the, the last two guys, Matt Nagy and Doug Peterson, they're successful. You know, it, it hasn't failed. You know, Matt Nagy, maybe the verdict is still out. But Doug Peterson is a great football coach. Eric Benemy is the next great coach to come out of that tree. I can agree with that. And and I think, and here's the thing that really puzzled me. Did anybody pick up the phone and call Jim Harbaugh? Nobody. If Jim Harbaugh is committed to Michigan, hey, Michigan fans, enjoy not winning for the next decade. <laughs> because because folks I'll get there when we get there because that was awful that was awful but the but 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 my greater point here is is that you know Joe he may have been a great coach but Chris will you leave it's just like this like I don't know if you play poker or you play cards oh die hard man now when you look at you look at, you know, poker. I'm a poker guy. Now, you're the New York Giants. And you get you get aces. You have a great hand. You have the best hand at poker. And and essentially, you have a great flop. You know, you got your, let's say you have, let's just say an ace. Let's just say two, the last two aces show up on the board. So, really, you should win, right? Yeah. Do you got pocket rockets? There you go. see, and once again, these are the these are the points. Yeah, you got pocket rockets. All right, so yeah, you got four aces. Essentially, you've got the best hand on the table. So now, the reason why I say that the Giants have the best because you have now the best chance to get an Eric Benemy. You have the best chance to get a great coach. To me, a lot of great candidates out there, but you settle for a dude who's really the worst hand in poker, a two and a seven. And listen, listen. You lose the to me. You that to me. You had a winning hand, meaning that everybody else has played. Okay, they left the table. So you're the best player left at the table, and you still blew it with the best hand. Listen, Joe Judge could end up being a great coach, Chris, but we got to stop leaning and and you know on that Belichick tree. Show me the last the only two successful coaches, really. Is you know with the with the track record, Bill O'Brien, but that dude is <laughs> you know in Houston. Show me the last successful coach to come out of that tree. I can do that with Andy Reid's tree. It's called Doug Peterson. He has a Super Bowl ring. Mm-hmm. It leads me to Eric Benemy. 
You're telling me Jim Harbaugh, who's been in a Super Bowl, the Giants, and, and to me, Chris, it goes down to the general manager hiring a dude who essentially, because I didn't, I, to be honest, Chris, that's a great job. We got Saquon Barkley and Danny Dimes. That's a great job. But the reality is, Chris, it, 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 in a company, and you can attest to this, sometimes it's who, who runs the company that makes you look at, like, oh, they have great, they have a great staff, but who's running it? Yeah. Oh, ab- absolutely. And that, and that's the Giants. That's the uh, the the Cowboys. There's a few organizations like that that you look at it, and they're like, you know, they could do great things. You know, the Giant. Hell, the Giants won two Super Bowls uh, in less than 15 years ago uh-huh. against the Patriots. I thank you. <laughs> uh, they have the talent. It's just the the upper. It's the Jet. The Jets have capability. Our, our owner's as dumb as a box of rocks, and our GM, well, yeah, he's fucking stupid, too. <laughs> did, but, did they, fi- they fired the GM after the draft, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they fired McCagnan, and then we got some other dickless guy. I don't even, I don't even want to learn his name, because hopefully he'll be gone. <laughs> oh, boy. But, 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 but you spoke of a couple of good teams who with Dallas talent, it had, you know, that job can scare people because you have to look at, well, who's running the show. And, and so, and like, I, you know what, Chris, I talked about the podcast, the football podcast, you know, the one name I didn't bring up as a coaching candidate mm. and people and, and Josh McDaniel folks. Listen, show me where, and, and I talked to somebody when I posted about the, uh, the Giants, the Joe judge, Oh, you know, oh, McDaniels. And I, and I posted with Josh McDaniels, could have been the coach of the Colts, but he backed out. He essentially had the job. He was on the plane. He was going to be the next coach in Indianapolis coach, but old Robert Kraft sneaking in. Oh, well, we can. Why would you leave a job, a guaranteed head coaching job, unless you were going to be the head coach of the New England Patriots somewhere down the road? And to me, I think Josh McDaniels will be the next coach of the New England Patriots whenever Bella. Belichick decides to hang up his uh his his hoodie. Yeah. Because because listen, and people are like, oh, and and someone and, and a good friend of mine, and she brought up a point that oh he didn't get a fair shake in Denver. Well, Chris, this is you know, my response is this. Is that well, oh, with Tebow, for the record, listen, I'm not saying Tebow was a great my point is that was Josh McDaniels he was in that room when that pick was made, correct? So, listen, I understand John Elway thinks he's, you know, Je- you know, John Elway is Jerry Jones with better hair. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> or just with hair. Or just with hair. There, That's even better. With the better smile. You know, sorry, Jerry. But the point is, is that he could have been, he could have proved me wrong, Chris, and took that indie job. But he chose to come back to New England because he felt safe. Yeah. And, and being safe is fine, and that's great. And I just run through the other ones, and you know the the Panthers hired Matt Rule from Baylor, and here's the thing, to me, Chris, that's an interesting hire simply because I'm very curious to see. Listen, he he has NFL experience. He's been a, like a line coach, all, but you know he in fact he could have been the coach of the New York Jets, but they couldn't agree on personnel, I believe. Mm-hmm. So Matt Rule's a legit candidate. I think what makes it interesting is, is that how he handles the Cam Newton situation. 
how does he handle what to do? Because he's got a, he just, he's got a clean house. I, I and and I think that the, the how you know I think if he does get rid of Cam Newton, I think that's the best option. And you know if, if you feel Kyle Allen's the answer, even if he struggled, I think they'll go after a quarterback regardless. But I think that's an interesting hire there. But you know with the the you know now with the opening of the Cleveland Browns, you know and Chris and 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 I said this on the. Uh, I said this on the podcast. I said it on the podcast last week. And I threw out a name. And I know it's a name that you may not like. Or you may not like it, you know, I but but I threw out the name of Urban Meyer. And and here's why I threw out the name of Urban Meyer. Because I think Urban Meyer he's from Cleveland. I think that I think it doesn't hurt because everywhere he's been in college, the team has won. But the only downside is how many years will he be there coaching? Can he handle the pressure of coaching? And that's not a knock on his health or anything, but he has health, you know, depending which doctor you talk to. But I think the Cleveland Browns go college. I look at Urban Meyer and go, it fits in so many ways. Because you know what? In my opinion, he gets the control. I think Jimmy has him. Old man has him. He'll give Urban Meyer everything that he wants. Because the Cleveland Browns, that's what they do. After firing Freddie Kitchens, a.k.a. your local plumber in the yellow pages, after firing him, I think they go the college route. Because let's be honest, Chris. If you were an NFL coach, if you had experience, would you take the Cleveland Browns job? Like, 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 given like, there's talent, but there's other things. Would you take that job? At this point, see, I don't know. See, that's a hard thing to say because I, I've been put in, especially as of late. I would say within the past year of my comp- of being employed with my company, um, I've been put into some questionable management positions because I'm a very hard-nosed person, and I'm not afraid to make people feel uncomfortable or unwelcomed. Um, you know, I mean, my first, when I moved up north, my very first meeting with my team, I laid down the rules, and I said, this is how... I do business. This is how I'm going to go to market. This is what we're going to do. Um, and we're going to start that as of today. Uh, two people got up and quit right then and there. I had to fill two vacancies in less than 24 hours of being in a new position. Um, the hardest part, if you take over the Browns, is the egos there. You have a lot. And, and we've talked about this a million times. There's a lot of egos there that need to be checked. Now, if you can go in there and check those egos, get rid of, cut the fat, stay lean, and even if you got to suck for a couple of years, you can't get any worse. It's the it's the Browns, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Urban Meyer is not that kind of person. Everywhere that he's gone, there's been issues. Uh, even when he was in Florida, you know, I mean, I he he won us two national titles, but um. You know, the problem with Urban 
is I, I, I don't know at this point I just can't fucking stand him because of the whole Ohio State thing. But I don't think he's the fit for uh, for the Browns because he doesn't know how to like. It's like with parents, like some parents try to be friends with their kids, which is cool. You and you can be. And I'm not trying to criticize people how to parent because I don't have kids of my own. Yeah, same. But here. when you spend when you spend more time being your child's friend than your child's parent, that's when your kids end up on shows like 16 and Pregnant or Locked Up in Jail or whatever stupid Lifetime Woman's Entertainment is the new fad right now. Oh, those, those are good movies, by the way. Those are good movies. <laughs> But Urban Meyer spends, I think, more time trying to be cool to players than just laying down the law. But maybe transitioning from college to NFL, it's like I talked with Harborough. Harborough is not a college coach. A college coach, you have to coddle your players, and you have to go recruit, and you have to go win over parents. The NFL is like... The, it's the real it's like this is your job if you don't like it go somewhere else or you're fired exactly you know you don't have to go out and go talk to a 17 year old kid's parents you don't have to to whine and it's just like hey do you want a four million dollar contract yeah cool all right i'll see you monday show your ass up at the field um i don't know who's going to fill that that vacancy in cleveland i don't know if uh if urban will do it i don't know if he can do it whether his health will be a factor or just his ability to separate, so I guess maybe the personal and, and professional environment. Uh, I don't know. I mean, me personally, like I said, I think if I was an NFL coach, I would definitely try because I have that nose to the ground personality and, and I can put it, I could put things where they need to go and not care about what people think about in the meantime. And I, that's what that program needs. They need to check Baker Mayfield and get him under control. They just need to get rid of OBJ. I think that's a lot of the problems they have. Uh-huh. I think if you cut him loose, that opens up the locker room a little bit. There's some breathing room. And uh, then then you can grow from that. But that, like I said, that's just my opinion. Yeah. And, and I'll just say this before we transition to, to the uh the bowl games is is that I I look at Urban as kind of like the Bill Parcells of college where everywhere he's gone like yeah there's been trouble but he's turned around the program but I think you brought up a very good point and I, I mentioned as well his health with that Cleveland Browns job if you think about it Chris the last dude who's been in there Freddie you know you know Freddie Kitchens your plumber that's that dude that dude's a plumber and you had Hugh Jackson, you you know Pat Shermer. You've had dudes in there who they're coordinators at best. And I think you need to hire an adult. And and I think that Urban Meyer fits it. But I I also go on the record and say, is that with the Cleveland Browns, whoever takes that job, the first thing you got to do. And, and and this may not be listen, you gotta you gotta do what Ron Rivera did in Washington. You gotta come in there and you gotta let people know, listen, if you wanna be here, you can be here. If not, there's a door. That's essentially Ron Rivera. And people are like, Oh man, this guy this guy's gonna have us win football games. Cause they, they saw what he did in Carolina. You see, look how Carolina played after they fired him. You know what that was proof was? It wasn't Ron Rivera's fault. Yep. It wasn't Robert Rivera's fault when they got the doors blown off by like Atlanta 
than everybody else. It's that structure, discipline. He has, Roman Vera believe he has that military background. And you see that. You see that structure, how he's family back. He understands structure. And, and speaking of structure, we need to talk about the structure of Ohio State. <laughs> oh man! And you know, I and I feel this is my cue where I can go make a sandwich, but but I'm gonna let you because I've seen it. I've seen it all. We're in the you, me, and our buddy Derek, Ohio State friend, we're all in this group chat, and all I saw was oh, oh my overrated. Oh my god! You know, Chris, so, I'll I'll let you take the wheel on it. Go ahead. Let me uh, let me steal let me steal the thunder for a few. So there were some games that I fully expected were going to happen, and both of the playoff games were exactly what I thought would happen. I fully expected LSU just to completely blow the doors off of Oklahoma, which they did, and. I'm not shocked in the least. And people are like, oh, my God, can you? But, like, no, that's what LSU has literally done all season long. Exactly. (laughs) That is LSU in a nutshell. Um, Not that Oklahoma's a bad team, but it's still Oklahoma at the end of the day. So, For the record, I'll jump in and say, I told you so about Oklahoma, folks. I told you so. Yeah, yeah, I think I called that one. And then for the Ohio State and Clemson game, I called that one, too. Uh, Again, this is just proof. If you leave Ohio State in the Big Ten, they could fluff their numbers up, and you beat Indiana and uh, Northwestern and Minnesota and Iowa and then Miami Great Value Edition and FAU – you line them up. Now, granted, I will say yes, Ohio State did handle uh, Penn State effectively. I'll give them that. But then I wonder how much of it boils down to do they just fluff these these rankings because they're trying to promote the Big Ten. They've got their own television network. Kirk Herbstreet vividly dick rides the Big Ten like nobody's business. Um, and yet here we are. Clemson... I'll even go on. Clemson's had an even worse schedule than Ohio State has. Yep, I said that. Clemson's schedule was just pathetic. But I did say, in order to be the man, you got to beat the man. That you and, did. Uh, Clemson proved why they're still the man right now. Um, the first half was quiet, and I was like, well, this sucks. But now I'm going to have to listen to all these loudmouth Ohio State fans like, oh, look at us. Oh. And then silence fell. The internet was so quiet. This is before the Iran World War III memes, before the New England Patriots losing memes. The internet fell silent for about five minutes. And then Chris the Terrible came on and shook that shit down. And I enjoyed every second of that game because it just shows... Ohio State is not that good of a program. You put them against competition, don't hold out well. Yes, they might have won a championship, and and I can't take that away from them. But that thanks to their SEC 
coach that won two national championships with the SEC on a significantly harder schedule. So just hats off to you. Uh, Ohio State is a, is a one-dimensional team. I, I revert back to the UFC fights. If you want to fight in the big leagues, you get that fight and then you get knocked out. Well, were you really ready for it? And Clemson showed that they were ready and Ohio State showed that they weren't. And Ohio State was supposed to be this great team with a super hard schedule and the diversity and whatever other bullshit Kirk Herbstreit spews. But they lost and they're gone. And there's not one damn thing anyone could say to him because they could say, well, at least we did that. Well, hey, motherfucker, at least we won our bowl game. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I watched and, and I talked about him on the podcast. And I once again, I said, boy, I missed Chris last week on the podcast. I know he'd been all over all over Ohio State. But you know what I mentioned on the podcast last week? I don't know if you listened to it. I, mentioned I, got, I got about halfway through it. Unfortunately, I couldn't get the whole thing digested. And I mentioned that Clemson was favored by two. And that, to me, said, I said on the podcast, I said Ohio State better watch out. Because, mind you, if you look at the track record, the what I said about Clemson is, if I, I think I said, Clemson can blow out people. And they did. They blew out Virginia. And, and I say, listen, I need to see them take care of business. They blew out Wake Forest. They blew out Virginia and I said, okay, this team's coming together. And they're they're a postseason team. They they look at the regular season the same way, kind of like Greg Popovich looks at the regular season in the NBA. We're like, you know, you know, we get enough wins, we'll get in the playoffs and we're good. And we'll and we can win from there. And I think that's how Clemson is. Because, you know, Dabo Swinney, listen, he's won over 80% of his games for a reason. And you know, what I saw, and I said the matchup was that Trevor Lawrence and Etienne had to outplay Dobbins and Fields. And mind you, Dobbins and Fields had better numbers, but Chris, the reality is, when it counted the most, Trevor Lawrence stepped up. Old Sunshine Trevor, did a Sunshine moves. Yeah, yep. Yeah, AKA, you know, that guy has Ryan Gosling features, folks. But but the point is, is that I could kind of take a double take. But But the point is, is that he stepped up. And and I think the reality is, when we look, and listen, and and I told our buddy Derek. Now, for the record, I've defended Ohio State more than you have. That's 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 obvious. That's not even absolutely. I've defended, but when I saw that line last week, Chris, that was the first week I said I think they're going to lose. And I, I said on the I said on the podcast, Ohio State better be ready to play Clemson, because the the reality is, Chris. I think that the the Big Ten in bowl games, it's not been good. Well, well, here's the thing. So, it's funny that you bring that up. Do you want to know? So, out of the Power Five conferences, would you like to guess who has the lowest winning percentage in bowl games? Hmm. Is it all time or is it uh, this year? Let's, or- just, let's just focus in the last decade because I know people – like to dig back in like the 1850s and shit. But let's just focus <laughs> right now on the last decade. Who has the worst? Yeah. Uh, you know what? Based on the Ohio State theory, because I remember that game when they got the doors blown up against Florida. 
So I'm going to say, because I remember Michigan wasn't that great either. So I'm going to take a punt and say it's the Big Ten. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. See, how you can tell teams are good is you look at a few things. So naturally, A, can they win in their conference? That's a fair assessment, right? Very fair. Now, more importantly, they play the same, let's just say, 10 teams usually on average. Let's just say nine, because there's normally like two gimme games. Uh-huh. So you play the same nine, nine teams year in and year out. Now you play your conference title. Then you go to a championship or you go to a bowl game or now with a playoff system, that's in effect. So if a team has the most championships, so if a, a division has the most championships in that decade, in the highest winning percentage in bowl games in that decade, you would assume that they're probably just the best overall, right? Yeah, I one would assume that. Now, you want to take a wild guess who's number one in bowl game percentages in the last decade? So, we're going conference or by team? By conference. By conference? The this best? is all by conference. Okay, so the best winning percentage? Yeah. Oh, boy. You know, to me, Chris, is not even close. It has to be the SEC. That's right. SEC comes in at 59.4%, the Big 12 at 51.4%, the ACC almost tipping the 500 club, but at 49%, the Pac-12 at 47.4%, and then the Big 10 at 46.2%. What that means is they can't win outside their own organization. They can beat up on each other, but they step out and they can't handle the heat. And this is just a prime example. And it's not the fact that I just, I have this hard on for the Big Ten. I look at facts, I look at stats, and I look at numbers. And they don't hold up against any of those. They are last place in bowl winning percentages in the last decade. They've got, uh, what, one one national title from one team? Uh You know, I mean... Separate game up, Big Ten. Maybe instead of playing FAU and, and Great Value Ohio in your uh, in your open open game, why don't you step out into the Pac-12 or step out into the SEC? We'll welcome you with open arms. Yeah, and and and, and that's a great point. I think and I think I mentioned that, and I think I mentioned if Ohio State would have played a Power Five school, it, it didn't matter what Power Five school because Alabama played Duke at a neutral site game. But the one thing you couldn't say about Alabama was, oh, they play, they play a power a powder puff schedule. They actually stepped outside of their schedule and played a power five school. And I think with Ohio State, and even though I've said that, you know, trying to get our buddy Derek, you know, we love Derek, he's a good dude. But trying to get him to see is that, listen, you have to play at least. Listen, it's just not me saying it; other people are saying it. Where you can't rag on Alabama because why? Alabama plays a power five school. I said, and statistically, and I think I brought this up, the SEC plays the toughest conference schedule in the country. And there's a reason why, if you're on the committee, Chris, this even happened in the BCS era, where you the SEC, even when the bottom team, if you take away, let's just say an old miss, Vanderbilt. And hmm, how did I think? Who else would you throw in there? Yeah, Bob, I'll get it off my head. If you throw up the, the, the three worst teams in the conference and you place them in any other conference, 
they probably have a better winning percentage. Absolutely. If you take if you take as much as I don't like Tennessee, and props to them for that comeback win, and you're welcome to. You're welcome. And by the way, Tennessee, when I saw that game, you're welcome. You're welcome. Because if there's anything I've learned this last year, when I ride people hard enough, they become successful. So, the point is, Chris, is that and just to piggyback your point. When you when you're a conference, who with the SEC, yes, they're a ba- name a conference that doesn't have a bad team, and I, and I'll and I'll sit back and wait. There's at least two bad teams in every conference every year, at least at a minimum two. But yeah, it's it, it's about what rises to the top, the cream that's to the top. Every year, people say, you know, I think somebody said, oh, it's always been Alabama, LSU. I say for the record, you know who Florida lost to this year? The two teams that played in the SEC championship game. So it's not like we (laughs) – I tell people, the conference is tough. This is why I say, well, Auburn got the credit they deserve. Oh, yeah, good job, Auburn, blowing that game. But anyway, the, the point is, is that when you look at the SEC and the conference as a whole, it's 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 better conference and Chris, like you say, it's not it's not because we're SEC dudes, we're Gator fans. We put that at the full discretion. I think we put it. I think if people don't figure that out by now, it's like that song. If you don't know, if you don't know me by now, you'll never, never, ever know that that's us. Yeah, that's factual. So, but Chris, when we back up facts, I think I think we can we both bring facts and substance to our argument. Whether yeah, we. Well, it's it's a sheer fact that the SEC has been able to produce four teams to win national championships just in that decade. Yeah. LSU, Auburn, Florida, Bama. Now, yeah, Bama has ran the tables for the majority of the time, but when you have the most consistently ranked top 25 teams, top 10 teams, and as of late, top five teams... You have the highest winning percentage in bowls and bowl games. And then to top it off, you have the best overall winning percentage against every power five division. The numbers speak for itself, man. I mean, what's going to happen is LSU is going to play Clemson. LSU is going to blow the fucking doors off of them. Oh, yeah. And I think we... No doubt about that. And and Burrow is going to do great. He's going to raise that national title. And then he's going to be drafted by Cincinnati, and he's going to hate himself for the rest of his life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there was a moment where Boomer Esiason handed him uh, a Bengals hat, and it just felt like Joe Burrow just – it, it kind of like he had an out-of-body experience, but not in the way that we think it is. So he realized, I have to live in Cincinnati. Yeah. I have to buy a jacket. I'm like, it's listen. I I just hope the young man, <laughs> hope he has great health insurance. But but the thing is, Chris, and I talked about Joe Burrow as the number one quarterback prospect. You know, and he's good. The thing is, Chris, like even this year alone, the Big Ten is four and five in bowl games. Um, like, um, um. you know, the Ohio Ohio State losing to Clemson. I'll get to Michigan in a minute. Wisconsin losing in a great Rose Bowl against Oregon. That was a great bowl game. Yeah. And Indiana somehow losing to Tennessee 
in Indiana, if you're listening, how dare you? Like, listen, I don't root. Listen, if this was basketball, I'd still go with Indiana. Jesus, Indiana, how did you let Tennessee? Yeah, of all of all the teams. Yeah, you know, not the Arrested Development Tennessee. No, Tennessee, the football program. But anyway, just look at how bad the the, the three best teams were in the in the. The, the the four best teams in the in the conference. Well, Ohio State lost, and the runner up Wisconsin lost. So who, Penn State won, and Michigan got the door. Listen, don't let that score fool you. Thirty five to sixteen. Chris, I saw that game. That game could have been a lot worse. <laughs> I think Nick Saban was being nice and being very, you know, considerate. Chris, how do you? There was no Tua. There was no two on the field. I think a couple of dudes set out for Alabama. That's what makes it worse. Yeah. Like, you had dudes who were going to be on this squad next year, and you're losing to guys who are seniors? I mean, you're losing – you're Michigan, you're playing seniors, and they're losing? Jim Harbaugh, listen, oh, I'm committed to Michigan. Hey, hey, Michigan fans, I hope you're committed for the next decade of being the – at best the second best team in your conference at best yeah because you're not you're not at best i mean at, at a peak because i said it in the beginning of this year and chris talked me off that ledge as we progress throughout the year listen this was the best year to have to 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 be competitive our first year coach in ohio state and and what does jim harbaugh do he does jim harbaugh things he had his khakis were too tight his whistle was too loose he ate too many steaks before the game, and this is what we get. I even think we named that episode uh, that we talked about. Hard. But didn't we name it, I Think I Told You So? Yeah, we did. We told you so, America. <laughs> I said, what episode? I said, Chris I, Chris told you so, and I said, I told you so. Folks, I, I think one episode was that Chris told you so, and I said, well, Baker, don't trust Baker Mayfield in the tri-state area. So, because that mustache. But the point is, is that the whole state of Ohio hates me, and, and that's fine. I, I, I've always preferred Wisconsin anyway. But the point is, is that, and to kind of put a bow before we get to our predictions, which I think we kind of did, listen, you know how the Big 12 was in the conference? They were 1-5 in five at bowl games. The only win they got, Chris, was Texas being the doors off of Utah. Yeah, they, they blew Utah off the map. That, that see, and that's another thing where I think that they really, when they say that there's SEC bias, but there's really not because they put teams like Utah in front of Florida. You Utah did not even remotely play the quality of talent that that Florida did. I mean, Kentucky would have would have been a struggle for Utah to beat. I think. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, the the only like I said, the only team I'll give props to out of the Pac-12 this year was definitely Oregon. That was a hard-fought game with with Wisconsin. Um, that that was that was one of the better bowl games. I just want to run through them if I can steal your thunder for a second. Go ahead, my man. Go ahead. Uh, you know that was a good one. One game I want to talk about is the LA Tech and Miami game. <laughs> oh boy oh man i it's all about the who that's what, that's yeah. what it should be 
I didn't know if there was like a mass suicide of Miami fans or if there was something that might have had. I had to call and check on people. I I, I did too. That I, I... <laughs> was grossly hilarious. Another game, and this is why I, I sometimes hate on the Big Twelve, is K State, the team that beat Oklahoma, lost to the Navy. Yeah, dude, they don't and even pass the ball. I think I, I think I think Malcolm Perry, their senior, didn't have ten attempts passing the ball. I I legitimately think that I can play the quarterback for the Navy. Because I'll never have to pass the ball. I'm just handing it off the whole time. Exactly. And I'll just you be know? the guy that blocks. So that's yeah, exactly. yeah. You know, uh, another game that Auburn fell short on, you know, is the, the Minnesota-Auburn game. That one, uh, I, you know, it, they, they did what Auburn does. They can either go good, they can go bad. Uh, of course, Tennessee beating Indiana. I just died laughing at that. Uh, that, <sighs> that was that was depressing. Yeah, that was absolutely hilarious. Of course, Arizona State beating Florida State. <laughs> oh man. I uh, I I did uh, same thing. I got to watch that game actually. I was out uh enjoying a cocktail with a friend and got to watch that game and the and the salty disappointing faces of the Florida State fans around me while I was wearing my orange and blue, mind you. <laughs> Fuck with me, you know I got it. Uh, and then, uh, let's see here, uh, Iowa just straight train wrecking the Trojans, uh, A&M walking barely past Oklahoma state. That was a good one for them. Uh, UCF won the Gasparilla bowl against, uh, Marshall. So I, I don't know if they're going to be the 2019 national champs. Uh, I, I, I haven't, I haven't seen anything from the Orlando Sentinel declaring them that the you know they're the the all high and mighty um and then of course the the one game that did surprise me was the the Florida Virginia game um Virginia put up a better fight than I thought they were going to I think a lot of that has to do with us with the Gators I think that we weren't playing as hard and we kind of took that game for granted and uh, I think that the Virginia team. Well, you, you're all right over here. You're getting a lot of mic feedback. Oh, I'm getting it. Hang on. Okay. Can you hear me? Yep. Very good now. Okay. So, um, sorry about that, folks. Uh, no problem. The, uh, yeah, I mean, game, Trask didn't play his best game. Um, that was definitely uh, very noticeable. Uh, but needless to say, we still won. That's all that matters. Uh, that's two New Year's Six Bowl wins and two 10-plus win records in the first two years of Dan Mullen's career. So we're about to see a whole lot of play coming, I think, from the Gators here in the near future. Absolutely. I, 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 think, I think there was a sense of complacency, I think, at Florida. I think in that game, I think it was complacency because I don't think – we saw how Clemson blew the doors off of them, off of Virginia, and I think it was a level. I, I, I don't put that on Mullen. I you know I look at the players, and and it's easy to look at when a team gets the doors blown off of them the week before, and you're like, okay, we can beat these dudes. 
you know, we can blow these dudes out of the water. But I think with that being said, you know, Bryce Perkins, I was high on. And I said, like, what the, his top receiver, Hassine Dubois. You know, uh, Virginia is one of those teams that they can play ball when they want to play ball. They're kind of like the poor man's Auburn, where if, you know, if they have their full talent, you know, if they play, they choose to play, they can play. If not, then you get, you know, you get what you get. But I think with Florida, a lot of promise. I think what I took away, Chris, was that a lot of promise. And LaMichael Piron having a great game running the football. You know, you know, you know, 13 carries, 138 yards. I just wanted to where the hell this this run offense was <laughs> 10 games ago. Exactly. <laughs> I, weren't you thinking the same thing I was? I'm like, I was going to message you. I'm like, Chris, where was this? Where, where was this months ago? Where, where, where was this? Because it just seemed that LaMichael P. Ryan was just running all over that Cavaliers, a very good Cavaliers defense at that. Yeah, yeah, they've they've got a decent run defense. I I don't know where, I where it, I I mean, but kudos to LaMichael P. Ryan. What that did, that gave that elevated his draft stock tenfold. Yeah, the last game of your collegiate career, you can run for 138 yards with two touchdowns, and uh. You know, just completely shit rack of defense, dude. Like, good on you, bud. And it, it, and I and I took away from it that Dan Mullen, this program, and I think with Chris, and I'll say before we wrap up, the thing is, Chris, the, the athletic director Scott Strickland, we they we we want to play Power Five schools, and I think that it speaks to the fact that it's not out of cockiness, but Chris, we have to prove. Yeah, I, I think that it's proven that, listen, we're willing to go out west. We're willing to go to USC, UCLA. We're willing to go at Oregon. We're willing to go to Texas. We're willing. And this is what and I'll bring back Ohio State. And it's not picking on Ohio State, but that Clemson game, Chris, when I saw last week they were favored by two, I said Clemson better. You know, I, I told Ohio State better watch out because really Ohio State, listen, they could have lost to Wisconsin in the Big 12 in the Big 10 championship game. But Wisconsin, you know, Wisconsin pulled a Ray Finkel and they lost. Yeah. Everything, everything just started going wide and they forgot how to run the ball. But the reality is, Chris, is that, listen, people didn't, I don't know if people know this, but Dan Mullen, I think he was on a lot of coaching lists to get a head coach on the NFL. Why? Because he worked, I think, Chris, we mentioned this on the episode that he worked with Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. The man knows how to coach. And I, and I think we have to, we don't value you're like, damn, Mullen, oh, listen, he took Mississippi State. What was Mississippi State now? Mississippi State just fired the guy who replaced Dan Mullen. So so that lets you know, you know, that what was the, what, he exceeded the expectations at Mississippi State. He took Dak Prescott and a minimum third-round pick, third, third or fourth-round pick, and the guys out here top five in passing. And he was a legit candidate, I believe, for that, that Cowboys job. Absolutely. And, Demo is a top five coach, not just in the SEC, but I could argue, Chris, he's a top ten coach in the country, and and I think that because a he can recruit, I think, and then he can recruit and coach. And a lot of people can recruit but can't coach, and some people who are just the opposite. Yeah, they can that can coach but can't, and and that's that that's our boy Harborough. Harborough is a good coach. He just can't recruit for shit. And yeah, I think that's and, a lot of the problems that that Michigan is facing right now is a lack of talent coming in. And, and I think that, and that goes a lot on Jim Harbaugh, on Jim Harbaugh is that he just can't flat out 
recruit because you because when you look at teams like Wisconsin, that team that air they're playing better, they're getting the they're getting recruits that you you know have gotten. It's the same thing with Nick Saban. Nick Saban used to have a stronghold on recruiting, but all of a sudden, you're starting to see little bits and pieces not say falling apart. Like mm, the Roman you're, you're starting to see a chink in the armor. Exactly. It's kind of like with Belichick. We saw the chink in the armor. This is where, like, oh, no, this thing is about to fall apart, and we oh. have no glue to fix it. And, and speaking of glued things to fix, the, we're, we're fixing to be out of time for this episode. But before we go, Chris, I know you probably have a very, very good uh, trivia question for me and for the listeners. Yeah, so trivia question. What stat did Sam Darnold and Tom Brady share this season in the NFL? Hmm. Hmm. Ah, see, initially, because of all the, I look at a lot of stats when when I research, so I should know this. Hmm. It's a foot. It's a pair. My gut is telling me. It's an intercept. It can't be interceptions. I'm gonna say, and I could be wrong, and I could be talking against myself. I'm gonna say passing touchdown. Well, do we want to post it up? You know what? Let, let's let people think on it, or do you want an immediate answer? You know what? What I'm gonna do, listeners, is that I'm gonna post this question to to you guys, the listeners, because. Because I, because because really I'm not even going to try to because I'm really going to think about it because I have it narrowed down to two in my head. I eliminated two stats out of my head because of out of certain things, but I'm going to kind of like do what we what I did in the, at the end of the year, the last podcast is that that's your question, folks, that Chris had, and I'll post it on the page, I'll post it on Instagram, and you can because it's a very good question because. <laughs> It's you know you would never think, <laughs> and it's one of those things where and it, yeah in the in the 2019 season Tom Brady and Sam Darnold shared this stat together exactly to the T. It, it can't be it can't be supermodel wives. I know if that's not it. No. Nope. So I mean, no. Nope, it has Darnold, to do. It has to do with the NFL. No outside uh, uh, cooperation. All, strictly NFL in this one. Okay. So is it is it a direct? I'll, I'll help I'll help you out, listeners. Is it a like a direct stat, like a like a, a on field stat? Yeah, it's actually something you could very easily look up right now and find. Okay, so okay, so my two options are still in my hand. Well, folks, so the question is, what stat did quarter Jets quarterback Sam Darnold and Patriot quarterback? I think his name is Tom Brady. I'm I'm not sure shared you know this season in nfl 100 season what stats did those two gentlemen share and i'll post the question and i'll and i'll reveal the answer i'll give you guys a day to think about it and we'll give that question out as well but but until then folks until we till we meet again and for the record before we go i think we both have lsu winning the national championship correct absolutely lsu National championship winners. They're going to keep the title in the SEC where it belongs. Clemson's going to give it a good shot, but Joe Burrow cannot be contained by anybody. And it'll be a fun game to watch until halftime. And then 
we can all go about our business. Exactly. And then before we go, because I wasn't going to mention it, but we did the NFL picks all season, as you guys know. And this was very close. This was like Bush Gore close, except, you know, we didn't have the hanging Chad thing. But it was very close between you and I. And it literally came down, and I can tell you the weeks it came down to. It came down to the last two, three weeks. It's it just a matter of we. if I would have went with my team and had confidence, I could have had a bigger lead. But, you know, oh, ye of little faith is me. But, but, but the final standings is, is that, Chris, you went 160-94-1. That's good for a 625 percentage. Oh, wait, that's me, folks. Sorry. Oh. oh, cold as ice. You can't see me. I love you, John Cena. But, but Chris, you went 158. <sighs> and and I, I saw it and I said, God, I feel so bad. I mean, I felt a little bad. Not a whole lot bad. Well, after the complete shit stomping I put on you in fantasy, I mean, you know, you, you, can, you can have this one. And, and I said, what was interesting with the last week of the season, you went with San Francisco, I went with Seattle. But where we really differed on is when we picked the Browns and Bengals. And America, you know who I picked? I picked the Cincinnati Bengals. I told you the Cleveland were clowns. Like, they couldn't even beat Cleveland. Like, they couldn't even beat Cincinnati. So, I think there was a lot of pivotal games down the way. But, I, I you know, I won by two games. And, and But once again, Chris, and, I, and, I, and I'll say it to you because I said it to the listeners uh, last week's episode, is that, you know, having you as a co-host is very fun. It's exciting. And I appreciate the dialogue and the back and forth and to many more episodes of this. If, if you'll allow it, because absolutely, you man. I, uh, I appreciate it because you're out. And I said it to the, you know, I didn't get a chance I, to go that deep, but I appreciate you, your listenership to all of you, the listeners, you know, this, you know, this episode, every episode this year, and there'll be things going on that we'll mention the divulging as the year progresses as the football season. And we'll let you guys know what we're going to do. Cause we have some other things planned down the road there. So, folks, until you hear us again next week, where hopefully LSU will win, and and help, and then we'll have more clarity in the in, in the playoffs. I'm Ladarius, and I'm Chris. Be real, be you, be blessed. Here from Sports and the World Football Edition. See you. I'm Ladarius Brown. And on behalf of Chris and myself, we both want to thank you for listening to Sports of the World Football Edition, wherever podcasts can be heard. If you have any comments, thoughts, good, bad, or indifferent, head over to our social media at Sports the World, both Twitter and Instagram. Head over to the Facebook page, Sports and the World, to go to the About tab, listen to every episode, check out the content, leave your thoughts and comments there as well. Once again, we thank you for your time listening to Sports in the World Football Edition.